0: Good morning! We're so glad you're with us today. We are um, celebrating service today here um, at Plasterville Church of the Nazarene. If you have found us online uh, at our website, we are so glad that you're going to be here for the whole service as we get ready to enter into the throne room um, as Pastor Vicki and the worship team lead us in some songs and then as Pastor Steve leads us into the Word as we look at the the heart of what it means to be faithful and what it means to have faith. Uh, So we're so glad you're with us, and we hope you enjoy and, and really can allow God to speak to you this morning.
1: Hello, church. Good to be with you, Plasnaz. And uh, I was gone last week, and I so appreciate uh, Pastor Sean filling in. And we have been in this time uh, that we're looking at in the scriptures between Easter and Pentecost, a very special time in the church. And so we're going to be looking at John chapter 20 again today, and I invite you to get your Bibles and get those ready. But before we do, I would like to pray with you. As our church family gathers in this way, it's important that, that we make sure that, that in this moment, we are gathered by our spirits with our hearts before the Lord. So would you pray with me? Oh, Father, I just thank you for today, a chance to worship you, to celebrate this Lord's Day. And even though we are apart, we are together in you. Lord, I pray for our church and the people that we can touch. I especially want to lift up uh, Ruth and Jackie, and and we think about Joy and, and several others, Lord, that have had some challenges in their life. And Lord, we just lift up all of those who've had challenges. I think about those who are ill and sick, Their families, I pray for wellness and wholeness. We pray for our nation today. We pray for our leaders, our president. We especially pray for those who are fighting this virus on the front lines as hospital workers and aid workers. And we just pray for your protection upon them, for safety, for health. And Lord, I thank you for the scientists who are working so hard to find a cure. And Lord, I I just pray that you would help them, give them wisdom, give them ideas, give them direction so that they may be successful. And Lord, I just pray for us as a people trying to help each other. You know, there's some good things that are coming through this time. And us caring more about each other than all the stuff around us and all the things that we're missing is really a good thing. Lord, make us your church your people, the called out ones, and may we truly give you praise and honor, even in this time of trouble and problems and turmoil. Let there be joy. Thank you, Jesus. In your precious name we pray. Amen. So it is good to be with you today as we take a look at uh, John chapter 20 once again. We're in this time between Easter and Pentecost, and this was a time in the early church when there was struggle. There was struggle to believe. You know, they'd been following Jesus, and they they thought he was the Messiah, but he wasn't exactly what they thought, and, and then he died. And they're supposed to still put their faith in him? Well, during that time, Jesus appeared to over 500 people, and they did have faith. And it's it's interesting because the scriptures tell us sometimes that they saw him and they believed, and yet they had doubts too. Pastor Sean last week talked about Thomas, and and we'll we'll talk about him a little bit today as well. But I want to challenge you today, do you believe? And do you just believe because you've always been taught that, that that's been something that that has been part of your life? But I want to just challenge you to really believe, to really put your faith in Jesus today. And what a good thing that is for us to do, put our faith in Jesus when we're going through difficult times. We are in this together, but Jesus is with us. Do you believe it? I want you to know that um, I like evidence. I like proofs. Uh, I, I want to base my beliefs on facts. And and sometimes the facts just aren't there. It's a challenge to believe. Well, when I was about 10 years old, I had a crisis of belief. I was, I was a young kid. I was going to the Greenwood Boys Club. Now they're boys and girls clubs, which is really good. But in those days, it was just the Greenwood Boys Club. And, and I was a part of different teams there, and in that day and age, you sold stuff in order to pay to be a part of that team. Well, it's the same today, but, but I, I sold stuff to play sports. We sold boxes of chocolate. We sold M&Ms. We, we sold candy bars, and, and I had to believe in the product to, to really sell it well. Well... I'd have to tell you, when I was a kid, you could get a candy bar for a nickel. And you could get a big candy bar for a dime. And, and so when we were selling stuff, uh, along all of a sudden comes these huge candy bars. Well, big for a candy bar. But we had to sell them for a dollar. And I just didn't believe that you could do that. There's just no way. That is a tough thing. Sell. And I didn't think that was going to work at all. Uh, you know, they were called world's finest candy bars. Do you see this, this picture on your screen today? Uh, I, I love this because this is obviously the late 50s, because there's the housewife. Uh, I can't tell if she has pearls on, but there she is in her dress and, and she's smiling at the three children that are coming to her door offering, offering her candy bars. And uh, she's happy about it. This is world's finest chocolate. And uh, how could I sell a dollar candy bars, even if they were the world's finest, even if they were pretty big? But for a dollar, when you could buy a Milky Way, a big one for a dime, man, that seemed like a hard sell to me. And and I had to learn about Selling World's Finest. The first thing I learned about, and, and maybe this is the same for you, when you're asked to trust or believe, you got to learn the background. So I learned the background about World's Finest Chocolate Company. I learned about their history. Here, here look at this guy here. This is Edmund Oppler. And, and he goes back to like 1908. And he was, he was a young kid. He was 12 years old, and his dad died. And he had to quit school and go to work to make money to support his family. It was a tough time. And, and for, for Ed, he, he, had, he had faith that he could do something great. And he believed, and, and he started selling cocoa. And, and he would take it around to different places, and he got his brother to do that, and pretty soon it worked into a pretty good business. And then it developed more and more, and then in 1949... Ed pioneered chocolate products for fundraising with world's finest chocolates, those big candy bars. And you know what? They still sell those candy bars today. My uh, grandson Caleb was hitting me up the other day for some of these candy bars. They're a lot smaller than they used to be, but they're still very good. So here you can see, this is what the box of chocolate looks like today. They look pretty big there, don't they? Uh, They were really big. Uh, back in, you know, 1959. But I had to learn to believe. I had to learn to believe in these candy bars. And at first, it was a hard sell, and and because I didn't believe anybody would spend a dollar on a candy bar. But guess what? One of the things that World's Finest taught us was that people will be glad to give you a dollar, even for a candy bar, because they're not... Just investing in the candy bar. They don't even really care about the candy bar They're investing in you and they were glad to give you a dollar and and here here's the real the the real clincher They said and you don't have to make change everybody has a dollar and you don't have to make change So they were willing to to fork over a dollar maybe just to get you off of their their front porch Uh, they, they would do that so people bought the candy bars and they wanted to help me play sports at the Greenwood Boys Club. And and I sold hundreds of these candy bars. I even went downtown, downtown Seattle. My mom worked in a huge office building. And I mean, there, there was like 50 floors in this office building. And I would take my little box of chocolates, and I would go down there, and I would just go to every floor. And man, in the afternoon, those secretaries, they were ready. For a candy bar, and and they were just delightful to. And I I sold hundreds of candy bars in, in my mom's office building. I, I was going back all the time, and they're saying, "You sold all those already?" Yep, I did. Give me some more. Give me some more. And I and and maybe they wanted to get rid of me, but they did. They bought those candy bars. As a matter of fact, when I was in sixth grade, I won the contest for selling the most candy bars, and. You know what? It made me a believer. I, I, I learned to believe and I began to trust in those. And I also began to believe a little more in myself. I had to talk to people and so I, I believed I could do that. And, and I look back now and that was a, that was a good experience for me. Well, today we're looking in chapter 20 of John. And, and Job, uh, John describes here, the responses of people who are confronted with their unbelief, with doubts, and they're confronted with believing in the resurrection of Jesus. So I ask you, what do you believe about the resurrection of Jesus today? In that day, and even today, generally people respond in one of four ways. Number one is that some people believe because they receive direct evidence. Now, Mary is the one that comes to mind here because Mary was confused and she was doubtful. This is Mary Magdalene. And, and she went to the tomb early on that Sunday morning and she saw the risen Lord with her own eyes. Mary spoke with, with angels and with Jesus him, Himself and He called her by name. That was the thing that really did it for her when He said, Mary. And you know what? Jesus knows. Your name too. And though He may not call you by name audibly, He knows who you are. And I just encourage you to know that God knows you and loves you. You know, we don't live in that special time between the resurrection and the ascension, but Mary did. And that was a crisis of belief for her. Look what it says in verse 18 of John 20. Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, I've seen the Lord. And then she gave them his message. And and so she became an early witness to the truth. She was blessed because she got to see, she got to speak with the Lord directly. For some people, they get direct evidence. And boy, that's the easiest way to believe is when you have direct evidence about somebody. That's way number one. But wait, number two, some people believe because they received indirect evidence. And this is like Peter and John. So Peter and John responded to these initial reports, this word from Mary with, I mean, they were curious about it. They, they were skeptical about it, but they did run to the tomb. Uh, That is a famous uh, trivia question, who was faster, Peter or John? And it tells us that John was actually a a faster runner. So if you ever come up against that in a trivia contest, there you go. And when they viewed the tomb, they saw grave wrappings. They wondered, they wondered, is he risen? Look at what it says. This is John uh, 20, verses 8 to 10. Then John went in, and he saw and believed. For until then, they still hadn't understood the scriptures that said Jesus must rise from the dead. And then verse 10 is very interesting. Then they went home. Wait a second. They go to the tomb, and then they go home. Well, what else are they going to do? You know, John went into the empty tomb, and he saw, and he believed. Well, what did he see? You know what he saw? Nothing. He saw nothing, and that helped him believe, because Jesus wasn't there. And so there was some indirect evidence at work here. And, And sometimes seeing nothing helps you believe everything. The tomb was empty. Indirect evidence helps people believe. Later, these two also became eyewitnesses. So some people believed with direct evidence. Some people believed because of indirect evidence. And number three, some were slow to believe, even if there was direct evidence or indirect evidence, and any evidence at all, they were still going to be slow to believe. Uh, the disciples responded to the Lord's presence with fear, and then they slowly accepted the reality of the resurrection. Last week, Pastor Sean talked about Thomas. And and he was one... I mean, he's the poster child for those who are slow to believe. Uh, John 20, verses 26 through 28. Uh, So this is eight days later, after Easter. So eight days later, the disciples were together again. And this time... Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. And then he said to Thomas, put your fingers here. Look at my hands. Put your hand in the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. I agree with Pastor Sean. I don't think that Thomas put his finger in the holes in Jesus' hand. I don't think he put that. I I think Thomas fell on his faiths and believed. Look at what he said. My Lord and my God. He proclaimed Jesus as Lord and God. You know, when we think about Thomas, he makes a great proclamation of belief. Even though he was slow to get there, he got there. Number four, Uh, And and this is really the one most of us are asked to to fall in today. And that is that some people believe even without evidence, indirect or direct. Uh, Some believed based on the promises of the Old Testament scriptures. There were predictions about Jesus. And if they trusted God and trusted the Bible, they believed that Jesus was the fulfillment of that. Some people believe because of the testimony of of somebody that they trusted, credible witnesses. You know, Mary Magdalene was a woman, and so the disciples were were not very excited about believing a woman. Uh, In that day and age, they didn't give women the trust that they should have. But she was trustworthy. They should have believed. Look at verse 29. Jesus is still talking to Thomas, and he says, Then he told him, You believe because you've seen me. He says, you believe because you have direct evidence right now. But look at what he says next. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. Wait, you can believe without seeing? You can have faith without the evidence? You can believe. Do you put your trust in God's word, the Bible? You have friends that you trust who who tell you about Jesus? Can you believe even without seeing? That's a great question for us today. Now, I have to tell you, I believe in the Eiffel Tower. Um, Although I have never seen it, I have seen pictures. I have a picture for you right here. And I know people who have seen it. So I believe too. Um, We could talk about all kinds of things that we haven't seen, but we have evidence. Some of it's indirect. Maybe some of it might be direct. And we can have faith. We can believe. I I guess sometime I would like to go see the Eiffel Tower. I'd like to go up in the Eiffel Tower and just have that experience. So I'll keep that on my bucket list. If anyone would like to start a fund to send Pastor Steve and Colette to France to see the Eiffel Tower, I I just wouldn't say no to that, but don't worry about it. Uh, If I don't make it, it's okay. There are other things I'd rather do, but you know, when we question the need for evidence, That is not something that Jesus ever did. Jesus never questioned people's need for evidence. And especially in matters of faith, he offered signs and wonders, miracles, different things that he did. His teaching was even seen as miraculous. And this validated his identity and this authenticated his message because of what he did. But, I want to tell you, he was very selective in his use of tangible evidence because he knew that no amount of of evidence, no amount of proof is going to satisfy somebody who's really skeptical. During his public ministry, Jesus rarely used signs to convince people who had unwilling hearts. If people were not willing to believe in God and then trust in him, there was really nothing that he could do that would make them believe. No amount of miracles are going to make somebody believe if they just refuse to believe. Maybe maybe you've been there. Maybe you had a time in your life when you refused to believe. Well, I want you to know Jesus is patient with you. I'll try to be patient, too. Now, instead of criticizing people or trying to convince them, Jesus offered tangible evidence to willing hearts. And he did this to add confidence to their trust, to help them to believe. Note that after raising from the dead, uh, Jesus appeared to over 500 people, but only... To believers. There, there's no evidence he, belie- he he appeared to anybody who was not a believer. He didn't come back for non-believers. He came back for the church. He came back for the believers so that they would really believe and they would be the one to go and tell others. Interesting, when we, when we think about his followers, because they doubted his resurrection. And it was not because they doubted the truthfulness of his claims. They merely thought his resurrection was way too good to be true. It is good news. It's still good news today. So Jesus welcomed their belief while tenderly offering evidence to build their confidence in the truth. Now, Pastor Sean said that Jesus did not Criticize Thomas for his doubt, but he welcomed him, and he helped him overcome his doubt with faith and with evidence. Well, I believe he'll do the same for you because I didn't grow up in the church; I had times when Do I really believe this is true? And I have to tell you that sometimes I believed it wholeheartedly and other times I doubted fully. And it was kind of crazy. And and then I remember hearing a prayer and a scripture that said, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Well, how can you believe and have unbelief at the same time? Well, we're human beings. Our minds are kind of peculiar things and they work that way. But it is wonderful when God does give us some evidence for our belief. And he does that when he answers prayers. He does that when you see something happen in another person's life that can't be explained. Maybe it's you see the genuine love of God when you don't feel like you deserve it. That's great evidence. Well, Jesus will do the same for you. He will build confidence and trust in who he is. And Jesus praised those who believed in his resurrection without much need of proof. You know, I find that today. Some people are just, they are early adopters. they You, you tell them about Jesus and they just say, oh, yep, I believe that. And, and that's a wonderful demonstration of faith. That wasn't always the case for me. I had good doubts. Uh, is it okay to have good doubts? Or Anyway, they're pretty serious doubts. But faith and evidence are not unrelated in the spiritual life of a Christian because without faith, without belief, evidence is meaningless. You could have all the evidence in the world, and if you don't have any faith, you're not going to believe it. I like to think of it this way. This is kind of mathematical, so if you want to go with this. Refusal to believe plus evidence equals confusion. You'll just be confused about things if you see evidence, but you refuse to believe. The second part is willingness to believe plus evidence equals confidence. Now, if you have confusion about Jesus, you might need to go to him and say, hey, I'm confused about you. I'm not even sure you exist. Help me. Help my unbelief to become real. I think that's a great prayer. It's an honest prayer, because when you have willingness to believe, the evidence will come, and you will have confidence. Now, whenever I encounter a skeptic, uh, someone who demands evidence before belief, I usually avoid having, you know, offering any proof of anything. And I've wasted so much time. Uh, I, I've tried. Pointless debates, Tried to help them understand. But but if they refuse to believe, you can't talk them out of that. Instead, I think the best thing, and this worked for me, was to get to the real issue at hand. And the real issue is our sinfulness. The real issue is that we need a Savior. And if we can understand that we need a Savior, and then we can believe that Jesus is that Savior... Boy, that's a road to belief right there. When a lost person comes to terms with his or her sinfulness, I mean, genuinely, genuinely so, belief is the next logical step. So I would encourage you, trust in God. That must come first. And then evidence can be helpful and your faith can grow. Ironically, they believe And then they find great comfort. They find great confidence in the historical fact of Christ's resurrection. May that be true for you. Do you believe? Do you have great faith in Jesus? I invite you to pray with me. Lord, I just thank you for all the ways that you dealt with people who were having a struggle with faith. And Lord, I I just reach out to someone today who has faith issues. And Lord, I just pray that they would be honest about those, that they would question uh, people about you, that they would talk to trusted people who know you, and that you might encourage their faith. And Lord, right now, there's someone who could just begin right now to put their faith in you, to begin to trust you. And they don't have to have all the answers, but all they have to say is, Jesus, I believe you are the Savior, that you're the Lord, and I need you. I need salvation. I need to be saved from my sins. And I call on you, Jesus, right now. Save me now. May I be a child of God. Well, Jesus, I just thank you for all the patience and understanding you had with Thomas and Mary, Peter and John, and with us. May we believe in you and help our belief to grow and become a great faith
0: in Jesus' name. Amen. Ah, wow, what a great worship service. Thank you so much for joining us. We are so glad that you take the time and you uh worship with us and we as we enter into God's throne room. Uh what a great service. Before Before you head off, let's have a we'd like to fill you in on a couple announcements that we have going on. Uh we are still continuing through the prayer journey that we started a couple weeks ago, and there are still time slots available if you have not signed up for that yet. Uh, if you haven't and you'd like to know what time slots are available, uh, which are the 30 minute time slots, you can contact the church, uh, either through email at plaznaz at yahoo.com or at the, uh, you can call the church, um, at the phone number, which is, uh, 530-622-3217. And you can talk to the office and we can, we can give you the information you need and we can get started on that. Again, remember with this prayer journey, what we're wanting is we're really wanting to just Commit to 30 minutes where we are in a prayerful mindset, where we're centering our thoughts on Christ and God and, and what we need Him to be involved in right now, which is this crisis. So if you haven't done that yet, please, please try to be involved in that. The next thing is continue to check out the new website. We are continuing to add new things to it to uh, to give you as much of the information as we have. Um, for you at home to, uh, participate in the services. That's where we watch our, watch our Sunday services as you probably did to this morning. Also, the new podcast has gone live. So if you're driving in your car and you're wanting to listen to a sermon and we have sermons from way back all loaded on there, you can subscribe to the podcast and, uh, you can listen to those as you're doing other things. So make sure to do that. Also, that is another great way to contact the church uh, through the contact page. You can use that to let us know prayer requests. Let us, If you're interested in, um, again, the prayer journey, you can use the website as another great means to do that. Uh, We are also so thankful for your faithfulness as you continue to be faithful in giving um, to the church in the different ways that we have available in this weird time where we can't be at the church. Um, whether you're mailing it in to the church, uh, through the regular mail or you're using a bill pay format or, um, you're using the website. Uh, we really do appreciate that. Thank you so very much. We also want to be there for you. We know that there's a lot going on right now with, um, with different stores not having great access and, um, and a lot of people sh- are we're not supposed to leave house, right? And so with that we want you to let us know if there's anything you need. Um if you need toilet paper, if you need groceries, uh please give us a con- uh, give us a call or email us and we will try to help out as best we can. So if you um are needing anything, please continue to contact the church um office through the website, through the phone number or through uh the email. Those three are the best ways to do that. Again, we are so glad that you are with us today, and we we miss you. We hope that you're staying safe, and we'll see you next week.